Good evening. Today is Monday, September 4th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is Into Action, Step 8, and our speaker tonight is Crystal R. Crystal R. Thank you, Crystal. Hi, everybody. Hi, my name is uh, Crystal R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Thank you so much for uh, for having me at your meeting today. Um, I always begin my share by saying that uh, this isn't my story, because if this was my story, it would be the story of a girl who died at the age of 30 years old. This is the story of what God has done for me, because I was absolutely ready to die at the age of 30. I was happy to eat myself to death. And the food was was really killing me. Like my doctors were looking at me like, and my doctor said to me, you won't make it past your thirties, if you don't, if something doesn't change, and I did not care, I was very happy to eat myself to death. And um, the only reason I'm here and alive today and living a life that I couldn't imagine is because of the grace of God in this program. Um, when I was first asked to speak at a meeting, I remember um, I was so excited and I ran up to my sponsor and I said, no, I know exactly what to do. Uh, it says in the big book on page 58, you tell them, you know, what it was like, what happened and, and what it's like now. And she said, nope, that's that's actually not what the big book says. And I was so sure. And I like pulled out my big book for the first time. I was like, I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get one on my sponsor, you know, and because uh, she knows the big book by heart. And uh, I pull it out. And, and uh, sure enough, it does not say that. What it says is we share what we were like, what happened and what we are like now, not what it was like, what happened and what it is like now, because I always thought that the problem was it. If it could just get fixed, then everything would be fine. And I've come to realize in program that the problem is me. And until something gets fixed here, none of the other stuff on the outside matters. So in my qualification, you won't hear what my family was like, how I grew up, any of that kind of stuff, because it really doesn't matter. I could have grown up in a palace. I could have grown up in a slum. I could have grown up surrounded by people who love me. I could have been in the Brady Bunch or the or Full House for all I care wouldn't have made any difference or I could have been in like the most frightening I don't know breaking bad kind of family and but it still ended up exactly in the same spot eating myself to death and only alive because of this program because that's who I am there's no other way for me to live life so when I came into program physically I was over 250 pounds uh, which is which is a lot of weight on somebody who was less than five feet tall and because of that, it had caused so many physical problems for me, medical problems for me. I was in the ER more times than anyone who's 30 years old should ever have to be in the ER. And my doctors were looking at me like, we don't know what to do with you. Um, there's not much we can do for you. You're just not going to live past your 30s unless something happens and nothing's going to change. So there you are. Emotionally, and, and in terms of food, it was never loud. Like food was never loud to me. It was just, why should it scream when it just needed to whisper? I would just have a small whisper every day on the way home. I would just be like, you know, it's great. We can stop at Wendy's and then we can go to Baskin Robbins. And then we go to Five Guys. I just, I had my little lineup of fast food places and that's all I ate. I was a pure fast food junkie. I was the one in the, in the drive-through that was literally pretending to be on a phone call, you know, um, ordering for a family of four when really it was just for me, which they obviously knew it was just for me, but I had to do the little, the little game, you know, for myself emotionally, I was, I don't know how it's possible to be a three-year-old inside of a 30-year-old's body, but that's exactly what I was. I was just this 
like frightened little girl just sitting in there. I couldn't even tell you what I was afraid of. I was afraid of everything. There was just fear was just like the hum of my life. And I remember just like everyone in my in my family, everyone in my life had a job and their job was to keep me safe, was to make me feel safe. You live your life and you treat me in a way that makes me feel safe or I'm going to self-destruct. So I had no relationships. I only had hostages. And you really can't have any relationships anyways when your entire life is spent, you know, on the edge of your couch with your hand in a crinkly bag. When you don't show up for people's birthdays, funerals, anniversaries, anything, you don't show up for things, you're not in relationship with people. Spiritually, I was the most religious person you would ever meet. I um, I just, I like I prayed all day. I was always in church. If anyone didn't know where I was, it was just go look in church and there's Crystal. I was, I would volunteer with these nuns. Just, I just wanted to be a nun. That was my, my whole goal in life. And um, I remember giving, I gave a talk to about 18,000 people in Poland um, about, you know, about my, my religious faith. So I was very, very religious. So when I came into program and realized I actually had no relationship with God, that was quite a shock to me, you know, and to realize that really, like I, I prayed to this God and I talked about this God and I read about this God and I debated about this God, but I had no relationship and there was only one God in my life and that was me. And I was a horrible, horrible God. I was small and powerless and mean and exacting and punishing and I remembered every horrible thing I ever did and I never wanted the best for myself and I almost ended up killing myself. So really, I was just the worst God ever and I'm so grateful that that is not my job anymore. So what happened to me, I, um, I had a, I went for a physical, oh, actually, sorry, before I get to what happened to me, I didn't show, show you my pictures and people went to all this trouble to make me a co-host so I could show you my pictures. So there you go. Everybody can see that. So that is a, those are some of the pictures of me. It's very hard uh, like to find actual pictures of me at my, you know, at my highest weight because I just stopped posing for the camera. Um, but these are sort of the. The, the ones that were the ones that I did get. So what happened was I ended up going to uh, my family doctor who uh, did a physical for me. And, you know, she was about to have the talk with me that I've always had with all the doctors. And this time she pulled out the BMI chart and she said, look at this. You're not on the chart anymore. You're only five feet tall and you're so obese. You're not even on the chart anymore. And if you lose a hundred pounds, you will then be in the obese category. And if you don't lose 100 pounds, you will not live past your 30s. And I remember being so afraid. And I, was, I remember just being like, okay, wow. Like, all right, like, tell me what do I need to do. Like, okay, I was like, gym membership, like, give me the diet. Like, what do, what do I need to do? And she said, don't bother. Nobody's lost over 100 pounds and kept it off. You need to do the bariatric surgery. And I remember, first of all, just being so shocked that somebody thought that I needed to be surgically altered to make me stop eating food. But really, that wasn't even the consideration. What well, all that happened, I didn't do the surgery, but only because I went home and I did a Google search of bariatric surgery. And I saw what you had to eat after the surgery. And it said the word cottage cheese. And it was just like, that's it. That There's no way. Nothing in the world is making me eat cottage cheese. So that was the end of that option. You know, so, so I didn't do that. But I remember going to God and saying, like, I have no other solution, like, really, because I've tried everything else. The doctor said sister diet, the my fitness pal, the I, I've tried all of it. Like, I don't know what else to do. And uh, that summer, my uh, my best friend called me up and she said, you know, there's this show on Netflix called This Is Us. 
There's a girl in something called a food addiction program. I Googled it. There's actually one in Toronto. Please don't be mad at me. I'll come with you if you like, you know, and because if anyone called me with any kind of weight loss scheme, it was just, I'm not interested. They usually don't stay in my life very long. But for the first time I said, okay, you know what, I'll go. And obviously then I procrastinated for a good couple of months. And, um, and then I finally showed up. And for the first time I saw people that were just like me who are not suffering like me. I met, I met this lady. I mean, this was the smallest little meeting in this tiny church basement where there was literally three people out of which only like two of us were newcomers, you know, and the other person was not, it, not really in like physical recovery, but it didn't matter because for the first time I met people who knew what was wrong with me. Nobody ever knew what was wrong with me. And I met this lady that said she hadn't eaten fast food in five years. And it just blew my mind because she didn't even say it like, you know, yeah, I haven't eaten fast food in like five years. It was like, I haven't eaten fast food in five years. Like she was so happy about it. And I was like, I, I just couldn't understand. And I'm like, is she lying? But why would she lie about that? You know? And so it just blew my mind that this, that was even possible that you could survive without fast food for more than 24 hours was just a, was just baffling to me, you know? So, um, so I came into program and they told me, okay, make your list of alcoholic foods and, you know, and behaviors and quantities and go get a sponsor. And I did all of that. And then I played around for a couple of months. I only did the things that I wanted to do. And, you know, my sponsor would tell me to do something and be like, well, that's stupid. Like I know how it's so obviously I can do it this way. And it would be much better, you know? So I, I just, I did it my way. Until finally, my sponsor was like, look, you know, it's okay. If you're not ready to work the steps, no problem. There are people who need like sponsors there who actually want to work the steps. And, and I do need to go work with them. And for whatever reason, I just didn't want to lose this sponsor. And so I, um, I got really serious. I put down all the foods, all the food behaviors, and all the food quantities. And when I did that, especially the food quantities, that was the hardest when I put down all the foods and behaviors and quantities, then there was literally nothing standing between me and life. And then it was just like, give me, give me something, give me some kind of solution because I'm just like a peach here. Just like any little thing is bruising me and hurting me. Like I can't, I can't live like this without the food. And um, at that point, uh, so I started, then I just, it was just like, give me, tell me what to do. And I started actually working the steps. I remember I, I went, I heard it at a meeting, Somebody said, you know, all we need to do with the steps is add one word to every steps, which is the word actually. I actually, you know, admitted we were powerless over food and that life had become unmanageable. We actually came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I did. I started going to strong big book meetings because that's what I needed. I needed a like a strong core big book message. I listened to the Vision for You meeting every single morning because I needed to hear people that were like me that had 20, 30 years of abstinence while living real, like nitty gritty lives, nobody's in a little bubble, you know, um, and I needed to hear that every day. Um, and I fired my mind completely. My mind no longer had a say on what I was going to do. If you know, because my first reaction to everything my sponsors said to me was just, well, that's stupid. So it didn't matter what I thought about what my sponsor said, all that mattered was that I did it. And literally, I got so desperate where if my sponsor told me, you know, I really think that you should cluck like a chicken and run down the street, I would have done that. And then I would have done it again. And then I would have called her up and been like, you think it would help if I did it one more time? Because that's just how desperate I got. So once once I did that, I got very serious and I really started working the steps like my hair was on fire. And then just recovery just came. 
it just came like my the the weight started to fall off and just emotional spiritual recovery just started happening on its own and here's this is where i'll tell you what my step eight was like and i'll what i'll tell you is my uh, uh, one step eight experience so you know um we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all and the story i'll tell you is about uh, my dad the amends that i had to make to my dad um you know, I, I, this was actually, I made my amends during COVID. So it was actually, it was funny. Every weekend I made an appointment with one of my family members and we had to go out for a walk because I had to be able to do it outdoors, you know, and I made my amends to my dad. So I, I, and I had to schedule it with them, you know, ahead of time. So I called my dad up and I scheduled a walk with him for, you know, um, uh, on the Saturday morning. And on Friday, you know, I was writing out my amends and I, I ran it by my sponsor and she was like, you know, there's just something not right here. Just something's not sounding right you know and I was like well I don't know like I don't know how to change these words around like I've these I've, I've done the formula you know they're like this is what I did you know I'm sorry like I won't you know I, you know just basically the amends formula is what I did and so it's like I, I don't know what else to do and she said you know what take it to God take it to God tonight and and let's talk about it and so Thursday I called my sponsor and you know I went to God with it and they found immediately it was like I realized I'm still resentful at my dad like this, the, the words are all right. The words are all perfect. But with the spirit with which I was going to make the amends was, look, I'm sorry for what I did, but you know what you did. You disappointed me and you did all these things and you never should have done them and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'm going to make an amends for what I did. And that was the spirit with which I was coming at. And that's not the spirit with which we make an amends. You know, this like half-hearted, like, okay, you know, I'll make my amends for this little piece, but you did all of this. You know, and that's that's what I was going into the meeting to the amends with my dad. And I knew I was not ready to make that amends. And here I am. It's Thursday night. I'm meeting my dad on on Saturday. And it's like, well, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what's going to change between now and Saturday? You know, and my sponsor said the only the one thing that she has to keep saying to me. And that's the only solution to everything. Crystal, go to God, go to God with it. There's nothing that God can't do in 24 hours. And actually, I'm wrong. This was actually Friday night. When we talked about this, and there was one like less than 24 hours between me and talking to my dad. So I was like, okay, you know, let's see, let's see what happens. So I did. I earnestly, and she said to me, you know, go to God with not, not, this is not about the words that are on the paper. This is not about God tell me how to make the right amends to my dad. This is God change my heart about my dad, please. You know, and I went to bed at night and I, I prayed with all my heart, like, please just let me see my dad differently. And I woke up the next day and while I don't know what happened, like I was just, I think I was like cooking or, or something like that. And I just, like, I just burst out into tears and, and it all hit me. It all just, I just realized what was wrong. And what was wrong was I had all my life, looked at my dad with these eyes of like, you are a disappointment to me. And what I realized was that my dad had this much to give and he gave it all to me. You know, he actually, and what I realized for the first time is he didn't have to do that. He could have given me less than what he had to give. My dad grew up in an abusive household and he gave me, and so he didn't have a lot to give, you know, and I- A little I, reminder, Crystal, five minutes. Thank you so much. Um, I have a lot more to give to, to my children when I have them. I actually don't know if I will give them all I have to give because it takes a lot of 
selflessness to give you everything you've got. But my dad gave me everything he had to give. It's just, I wanted more. And I wanted things that he could not give me. And because of that, I looked at him with these eyes that are like, you are disappointing my whole life. And the truth is, I know what it's like to, to have someone look at you with those eyes of, you, you are a disappointment. Because I have looked at myself with those eyes my whole life. And I know what pain that it, it is to live with those that gaze. And I realized for the first time, like what I had put my dad through. And I realized that I never, ever want to do that to anybody. To look at them with those eyes of like, you are a disappointment when they're, when they're giving you everything they've got to give, you know? And um, this time I went and I made the amends to my dad and the words were the same. Nothing changed on the amends that I'd written to him, but my heart had changed. Everything had changed because this time I understood the real nature of my wrong. The real nature of my wrongs was not that I berated my dad. I interrupted him. He could barely get out a sentence when he was around me because I interrupted him all the time. You know, that I, 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 I hurt him in all these different ways. That was not the real nature. The real nature of my harm was that I expected him to be something more than he could ever be. Everything, all the love that he gave me was useless to me because it didn't come in the package that I wanted it to come in. And every bit of care and protection and love he gave me was useless because I wanted more than what he could give me. And I never want to treat anybody like that ever, ever again. And so I understood the real nature of what I did wrong. And it had become so objectionable to me that I never want to do that to anybody else. So now, and this is not about saying I'm sorry. This is about like, I will never, ever do that to you again. No matter what my dad says to me, I do not interrupt him. I do not correct him. In fact, I always, my, the words I say to him are always like, wow, dad, like, thank you for telling me that. Wow, like, how did you learn that? Like, can you show me dad? Like, how are you? Because I remember the one thing my dad would always do is he would come to my house and the first thing he would be like, like, not like, oh, you've kept your house nicely. Oh, wow, you you renovated. This is like, there's scratches on the microwave. Didn't you use the pledge? Didn't I tell you how to use the Windex? Like, there's always some kind of criticism. And now it's like, oh, dad, can you show me how to do that, please? Oh, yeah, can you show, can you tell me, please? Like, it's just like, because that's all he wants. He wants me to be his little girl. And so I am today because I don't ever, ever want to be that person to him anymore. So today I'm a totally different person, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I'm in a normal body weight. Um, more than that, my, my, uh, the food doesn't call me. Not even one day do I wake up thinking, oh, like I wish I could have Nutella. That doesn't ever occur, occur to me. In fact, it's more like you took 30 years of my life. I'm not giving you one more second of my life. I don't actually know how much weight I've lost because I don't step on a scale. But what I do know is that my dad doesn't recognize me in church. So I feel like that's a pretty significant change. Also, board of security doesn't recognize me. I had to, I had to get my passport changed because, um, because board of security doesn't recognize me. And, and Passport Canada made me write a letter to explain that I'm the same person on the passport, but I lost a lot of weight. And that's why they need to give me a new passport. Um, I'm emotionally and spiritually unrecognizable like, like I'm unrecognizable from that girl I was five and a half years ago in every single way I have real relationships today about two months ago I got married I, I was 100,000% sure I was the one person in the world who would never ever ever get married and um and I can't believe that I'm married to such a wonderful man that I would 
I would never get to be in a relationship with him, with the person that I was, you know, five and a half years ago. And right now he's sitting outside there eating wedding cake and I don't even care. Like he can, it's just, it's just how wonderful for him. Go enjoy. You know, you live in a world where wedding cake is a treat. Enjoy. I live in a world where wedding cake is a, is rat poison. No problem. I have, I have a whole beautiful life that I get to live. And spiritually, I am no longer God. I already have a job to do, you know, in my life. And that is to be in recovery and to pass this message on to everybody else who needs it. I don't need to play. I don't need to have that job at all of being God because I have a God who just loves me so much. I got, I call my God Papa and Papa loves me so much. You know, I always used to be terrified that God's going to take things away from me. When's the other shoe going to drop? And today, even when crazy things happen, like just this weekend, we had, my husband and I had this beautiful day planned. I was so excited. We were going to buy new sofas. I love furniture shopping. And we we're going to buy these new sofas. I woke up in the morning and both our faucets are leaking and we have to call the plumber and our entire day is going to be a day of plumbing. And I just woke up in the morning and I was disappointed, but I knew that somehow this is just going to be the best thing ever. And it was, we have the most, two most beautiful faucets now ever. And I love my faucets. I'm Crystal. Thank you. And not only that, but the plumber fixed a long-standing issue that was bug- bugging me forever. God takes care of me and everything that happens in the day is just the best thing ever. And I'll just close off by saying that today, my my recovery means that I get to live the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows in every human experience in between. And I don't self-destruct. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for that beautiful, beautiful share. Um, We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the leader will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And I see Meredith, you are up first. Please share. Hey everybody, Meredith B, a recovered compulsive reader in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, thank you, Crystal. Um, you guys, Crystal also is a trooper because it was a very last minute um, ask to get her on here. And I'm so glad she said yes and could make it. Um, Crystal, wow, I love um that, that story about your heart changing and uh, this is very fresh to me. So, you know, my tendency to get mushy, but I just came back from visiting my family in New York and I had planned this trip to be five days and the closer it got, I was like, oh, what was I thinking? That is so long to be there. And I had to deal with like a dog sitter and that wasn't working out. And 
I ended up shortening it to two days. Um, and it was, the occasion was my niece's wedding party. It was a very casual deal. It was just family and friends, small. And um, it was at my sister's camp. Um, and I just couldn't have dreamed how it went. I saw, it was literally like I was wearing a new pair of glasses looking at these people. I had made amends to my two of my sisters, or both my sisters. And this trip was sort of like an olive branch. I wanted to kind of say, like, put my money where my mouth was. And, but I was anxious. I didn't know how it was going to go. And, um, gosh, I just saw how I had every visit with them in history. I showed up with a chip on my shoulder and I was criticizing them about everything, their parenting, their this, their that, and calling, saying that they were being judgmental of me and they weren't treating me how I wanted to be treated. And I remembered you saying, Crystal, I had to let people love me how they needed to love me. And I went there just saying that, like that was my prayer and a sort of a mantra and I, all I saw was, oh my, like my, my sister and her husband have cultivated this beautiful family. Like they are loving their, their kids and their partners, like they're their own. And they, thanks Carla. They just, um, there was a lot of just meant um mending um and it's I, I just couldn't have imagined and I couldn't be happier about it even though this belies that but it's really big it's really huge so and all because of this program so thanks everybody thank you Meredith and Cindy F, you're up, please. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Cindy. Compulsive overeater recovered for today only by God's grace and mercy. Um, Crystal, thank you so much. That was very lovely. And I, too, loved what you said um, about just asking God to change the spirit of your heart. And I could, it just so resonated with me, like how I look at the world through my, I mean, I only have my own perception and, and how distorted that is at times through fear and disappointment and hurt. And, and it's just powerful to think about like letting people love me in the way that they want to without judging them and and thinking oh that's not enough it's not good enough and and it really helped me understand when you said that like sometimes why i react to to people 
when things don't go the way that I want because it's me and um the pro you were right the problem isn't it the problem is me um and I am shot through with fear um it's as the big book said it's an evil and corrosive thread and it contaminates everything in my life um but thankfully I have I have a, a beautiful relationship with God and I have this program. Um, but step eight, um, it's, it's, um, it's a tough step. And um, you helped me one time a long time ago. I was, I think you, you helped talk me off the ceiling. <laughs> I was sitting on the edge of my bed on a Friday night, like rocking, like, that's it. I'm going out. I'm not doing this anymore. And I remember what you said to me in that beautiful, calm voice. You said, what step are you in? And I said, step eight. And you said, um, does it say anywhere in step eight that you have to make amends? <laughs> and I just want to say thank you. That really helped me. Um, but thanks for letting me share tonight, everyone. Thank you, Cindy. And Penny N, you're up. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Penny Ekpulso Overeater. Really glad to be here tonight. I almost forgot because in my mind it felt like a Sunday. So I'm glad I remembered. Um, Crystal, thank you so much. Oh, wow. Really related to a lot of what you had to say. But the most important thing I related to was you are my soul sister when it comes to cottage cheese. <laughs> I am like the princess in the pea. <laughs> if there's even a little bit of it in something, I can I can taste it. Um, yeah. So anyway, but on a serious note, um, I loved what you had to say about, you know, um, your dad's love not coming in the package that you wanted it to come in. Wow. That really, that really spoke to me. Um, uh, I, uh, I have a sister that I'm, that I'm struggling with right now. And, um, and that just, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, like I am wanting her to love me in a different way than she is loving me. And uh, wow, that just brings tears to my eyes. So I'm grateful that I was here tonight to hear that. Um, my birthday is Wednesday. And whenever it's my birthday, I always get this angst of, it's an old story of it's my birthday and are people going to pay enough attention to me? And are they going to do for me what I think they should? And I am so grateful that, um, that I don't have that. Um, you know, it's there a little bit, I cannot lie, but, uh, so, but with my sister, it, it, it just, it feels so good to be like, Oh yeah, I need to, uh, just accept whatever, whatever package she has to offer to love me. And, uh, that, that really, really spoke to me tonight. So, and then the last thing that you said about not self-destructing that, that is just huge. You know, I don't have to do that today. I don't have to have to self-destruct and that's all because of this program and everybody in these rooms and, you know, it, it, whew, it works when we work it. And, uh, you know, I have a relationship with God today that I didn't have. And, um, it, it is today the most important relationship in my life. So I'm so grateful for that. So anyway, really glad to be here. Really grateful for everything I'm hearing. Thanks. Thank you so much, Penny. And Melissa G, please share with us. 
Hi. Um, so glad I made it tonight. Also, I did think it was Sunday for a minute there. So <laughs> this is such a treat to be on it and to hear such a lovely speaker that I really connected to right from the beginning. Um, you said a couple things that um, I wrote down. You said, I'm just like a peach. And I just like that because it was like life is bruising me. And it's so true. It's like that's I'm so um, sensitive and that's where I need to, you know, change, you know, accept the things I cannot change, change the things I can. And that's always the things I'm like, what can I change? And I like that, that life is bruising me. And so I need to do the steps. And then you said and to add the word actually. And I thought that was so interesting, like actually, you know, I'm powerless over this and actually I just thought that was really a nice way to connect to it. And then when you um, talked about going to God and changing my heart about my dad and then let me see my dad differently, that was an unbelievable um, God moment, higher power moment experience. I didn't know if you could go more into detail of like a prayer or how you go about asking to change your heart. Oh, hi, can you hear me? Sorry, I wasn't able to mute myself. Okay. Um, how do I go about honestly? I think for me, it's not there isn't a specific prayer. I usually just like I, I think I mentioned, like for me, God is Papa. I just kind of go to God and just talk like normal. You know, just like I'll just be like, you know, this is how I see my dad. Like I don't I don't really know what to do. Like I have to go do these amends on Saturday morning. I don't know what to do. Like, can you please help me? You know, help me to see him differently. I it's usually very simple. It's more like, it's kind of like a little girl running up, you know, to their dad, kind of being like, help me, help me kind of kind of thing, you know? Um, and, and I'll really say for me, I just, it didn't over, like, I just kind of, I said my prayer with, and I meant it. And then I just went to bed. That was it. And I didn't kind of keep going back to it, you know? And the next morning is just, I, I just had these like series of things happen. It's just crazy. Like I had... I, I it had nothing to do with my dad like I listened to an OA podcast and something picked up over there then I had a memory pop into my head about something totally unrelated and that clicked some had something click and then it's like it's like God just knows how to orchestrate you know a change of heart and it never looks the way I'm expecting it to look like so I just went about doing my day like I did my prayer meditation I listened to my podcast I, and he used every little bit until suddenly it just all kind of fused together. And it was like, oh my gosh, I saw something that I never saw before. And then when I saw it, what, what was so great was I learned to notice and name it. And I can't tell you the number of times God has shown me things and it's just poof, flown out of my head because I'm just so like, go, 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 you know? And, but now I've learned to notice it and be like, whoa, something big has happened. I need to pause. I actually, that day before going to the immense for my dad, I had a whole day planned. Like I was going to cook three things and then I was going to go do groceries and then blah, blah, blah. I had a whole day planned. And the moment that that happened, I paused and I called my sponsor. We talked about it. I bawled my eyes out. And, you know, and then it was like, just FYI, nothing else is going to happen today. Like all my plans for the day are done. There's no shopping. There's no grocery. There's no cooking. Now you just get to sit with this and sit with God and just stay in that place until it's time for you to go for, for the walk with uh, your walk with dad. So it's a lot of, I think, just simple, simple asking of God, and then just being willing to receive. And then when I do receive it, 
actually responding, like taking the action so that it doesn't just kind of fly out of my head right after, because that's my usual instinct. I hope that helps. Thank you, Melissa, for that question. And thank you, Crystal, for the great answer. Um, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. With the Zoom host, please stop the recording. <laughs>